Hello and welcome to Inside Music, episode number 86. I'm your host, James Shotwell, and I hope this finds you well. I had a wonderful weekend myself. I just got married. As many of you know, if you've been listening to the show, this has been a long time in the works, and it was a blast. Several of the guests from the show were there, like Jacob Tinder, and it was just a great time. I mean, I, I mean, it was a wedding. What, what else would you expect me to say, really? I married the love of my life. Our families were there, our friends, our relatives. It was a great time. And in the back of my mind... Not anywhere near the forefront, not that I thought of it on my actual wedding day, but I would be lying if I didn't say that at some point over the weekend, I remembered what was going to happen on Inside Music this week, and I got just a little bit excited. You see, a couple of weeks ago, almost two months ago at this point, I had an opportunity to get on the phone with none other than Anthony Ranieri, founding member and vocalist, guitarist for the band Bayside, to discuss his group's new album, Vacancy, which arrives in stores on August 19th. Now this was before Bayside really started the promotional cycle for Vacancy. In fact, I believe I was one of the very first people to talk to Anthony about his work on the record. And as a result, I think we are able to have a great in-depth conversation that not a lot of people are able to accomplish. Now not to say that it's the best interview you've ever heard with Anthony, but the thing that happens when a new album comes out is that an artist gets put into this promotional cycle where their publicist or their label sets up interview after interview after interview and everyone basically wants to know the same few questions. How did the album come together? What was it like working on it? What do you hope people take away from it? What are your favorite tracks? So on and so forth. Anthony and I cover all of that, but we also get a lot deeper because Vacancy itself is a very deep album. See, Anthony uprooted his entire life and his lifelong home of New York City to move to Tennessee where he could be with his wife and his daughter. Then the marriage fell apart and Anthony found himself living out of a hotel so that he could see his daughter and still be close to her but not be in the house that he once shared with his spouse. In that time, he started to write music, and the result of, you know, kind of processing everything that happened to him is what you hear on Vacancy, and him and I get into the nitty-gritty of that. We also talk about some production elements and, you know, sharing the material with the band, but a lot of this is about the human experience of growing up and realizing not everything works out the way you think it's going to, and how you address that, confront that, if you will, and continue to move forward in life. I've never had a conversation like this with Anthony, and I've rarely been able to interview him for as long as I was in this conversation, and... I really, really hope you're gonna, really, really hope you enjoy it. I think it's, I think it's one of the best episodes of Inside Music we've ever done, and I'm excited to share it with you today. Before we get there, there are a few quick things I want to tell you. First and foremost, this episode of Inside Music is brought to you by Holix, the music industry's leading digital promotional distribution company. And when you're listening to this, know that the brand new, completely overhauled version of Holix has just been released to the public. This is a completely retooled version of the platform that reimagines the way promotional distribution works in a way that I think streamlines the process and also allows for more customization. For more information on Holix and access to a free 30-day trial, visit holix.com. That's H-A-U-L-I-X.com. I also want to say that you should be following the podcast on Twitter. At Inside Music Pod is your source for updates on upcoming guests, current show tidbits that maybe we had to cut due to time, and a lot of other information related to life in the music industry. Whether you're hoping to work in music one day or you're already in it and you're hoping to keep your head above water, there are links to information through our Twitter account that will help make that easier. Finally, you need to buy this Bayside album. The band has been together almost 20 years at this point and they keep finding a way to share a side of themselves that few bands ever really are able to tap into. There's a sense of honesty and sincerity in everything Bayside does and it's never been 
more clear-cut than it is on Vacancy. I really think people are going to love this album, and I think it opens a lot of doors towards where the band can go in the future. And they're lifers. We get into that in this conversation a bit. Bayside is not going anywhere anytime soon, and I think Vacancy might just be their best release to date. And that arrives in stores August 19th. So I'm going to play a little bit of my favorite song off the album. It's called I've Been Dead All Day. If you've seen the video, uh, you probably already have learned the song. If not, go out, go onto YouTube, look up the video. It's great. And then I'm going to get into my conversation with Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Well, I've been dead all day. Could you tell? Could you tell? This is where I live here and I save myself. If there's a God in hell, let us pray, let us pray to be cleansed of everything that we've said. Will I fall asleep? Can this fade away? Hey, there we go. Okay, things are working now. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, no, ever since I moved, I moved here in like February, and I've noticed as I've seen more and more tours get announced that like a lot of things don't come through Minneapolis, at least not like on the first album tour. It's usually like the second or third round of the cycle. Right, right. It's just, it's just slightly inconveniently placed, but only slightly, you know what I mean? It's, just, it's like just out of the way. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's weird for me. I, I lived in Boston for about five years, and that's like, you know, everyone goes there for every, all, every yeah, tour goes through Boston. So coming out here, it's, it's been a big change of pace where it's like, oh, bands only come here maybe once a year, if that. Right, and it also really, like, it depends on, it depends on the style, too. I, 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 get the, I get the vibe that, like, the indie rock bands go there more, more often. There seems to be more vibrant scene there for, for that stuff. Yeah, it's, it seems to be indie rock and oddly enough, like hip hop, like just every rapper you can imagine. Interesting. And they all sell out. It's crazy. Minneapolis has as many theater, the second most theater seats in America next to New York City. So there's a lot of people that come here and play these like really big rooms for no real reason. Huh. Yeah, that was a fact I learned this week. So I've been repeating it a lot. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know how it is. As you get older, you like you pick up less like interesting facts. I guess day to day, and when you find one, you're like, "Have you ever heard this?" <laughs> let me, yeah. Let me share the thing I learned this week. <laughs> oh man, so so I've been listening to Vacancy for like two weeks now. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, Monica. Like trying to under trying to understand <laughs> it, or because you like it. I like it, and I you know I like to pick it apart. I. The first time I looked at the track list, I jokingly said, uh, I thought it's not as depressing as you think could likely be the title of your career. <laughs> Every bass oh, album yeah. could have that song. <laughs> That's great. I, I went, when I first, uh, when I first um, wrote that, I demoed it at my house. I sent it to the band and uh, to, the, to the, our producer, Tim. And Tim just responded. His, his email response was just, but it is, dot, dot, dot. And then the whole time we worked on the record and whenever we got around to that song, he'd always be like, this song is so depressing. Like, it, this is totally mistitled. But I, 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 I stand by it. I, I still disagree. 
<laughs> there's a silver there's a little silver lining to it it's almost like if there were a bonus track that would be the title of the bo- bonus track but dot 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 but it is <laughs> right <laughs> but the idea the idea of the song really is that like yeah like shit's depressing but it's but whatever just fucking make the best of it well you read that title and then the very first line is like you describing your burial and it's like yeah okay right. <laughs> sure sure well you know okay you know imagery <laughs> Image, exactly imagery. i gotta put you i gotta put you there you know so yeah, i'm gonna yeah. start out i gotta put you there and then i'll say what I want to. <laughs> you know it's it's a powerful record man i've been going through it uh, like i've been through it a lot of times now and each time i kind of i find a new line in a different song or something that i kind of walk away and i'm like this this line pretty much summarizes the entire album and i feel like you do that a lot like that the album it's a very consistent themes throughout the record where it's like this could this kind of represents the entire every song feels like it represents everything you're going for in the album yeah it's the most, it's definitely the most thematic record that i've uh that i've written for sure like i always try to write from experience and um it just kind of things that i've gone through things that are on my mind you know but this is the first time i really wrote a record about one certain thing while i was going through that one certain thing not in hindsight and not you know what I mean? I wasn't telling tell I wasn't telling a story about something that happened in my life or or anything like or recounting something. It was literally like I was writing things. I was saying things to myself in my head. I'd be laying in bed and saying things, and I'd write them down. And the next day, they would they would it would be in a song, you know. And I was having conversations with people about what was happening and things I was saying out loud to them, or they were saying to me, wound up in songs, you know. Yeah. So, so when did, when did this start? So when do you go to Tennessee? Uh, I moved to Tennessee in February, it was February of, uh, 2014. So like two and a half years ago, two and a half years ago. All right. And so then when did you really start? I know that you, you know that you were writing to kind of get deal with everything that was happening. So when did this start forming it as like, okay, this is going to be the next album as opposed to I'm just writing songs. Um, I guess when, you know, what? never really, not, not until I had, a, not until I had a batch of songs, you know, I was like, I was just writing cause I had a lot, go, a lot on my mind and I was very like, kind of bored and, and isolated and I had nothing to do. So I just wrote, you know, I was writing and writing in this, uh, in this little apartment that I was kind of stopping over in for a few months. Um, and I just had like a couch and a TV and a bed and my computer and my guitar, you know? So I, 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 all my stuff was just kind of in boxes. I didn't unpack it. I didn't, I didn't decorate. I never really kind of, I never really moved in. I just sat there for a few months with a bed and a computer and, and just did nothing but write, you know? And once I had a, once I had a batch of songs, I said, all right, I guess, I guess that's what the whole record, I guess this is what the whole record's about, about me sitting in the apartment. So what point does Jack move down to Tennessee? Is that far into this process? No, Jack actually moved um, a few months before I did. Oh, okay. Okay. So was he, was he trying to sell you on Tennessee when you were, I know that, I know why you moved to Tennessee, but was he like, no, you'll like it here. No, we kind of planned on doing it at the same time. He just, I, I had a house built here, so that's that's really why I had to. I I, I just had to wait a few extra months um, before 
you know, he, he came down, he bought a house and came down and moved into it. And I, I was, and I was building something. So I just had to wait for that. We, we basically had talked about coming down at the same time. You know, really, it's not about not liking Tennessee. It's more about like, I came down with, uh, with my family, you know what I mean? And we're sort of, we're making a life here and figuring it out. And also with the idea that I was only going to be here for like two years, you know? So then <clears throat> what, what really sparked everything that the record talks about was like, was splitting up with my wife and then being, and having to stay here without her and just basically being like, okay, well, I, well now what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be here if it's just me, you know what I mean? And also coupled with like, okay, well now I have to, and I also have to like be here indefinitely. And I definitely have a plan on being here indefinitely. Was that, was that a hard, was that, I mean, was that a hard thing for you to realize? Cause I know like you've called New York home for so long. Is it, was it weird to be like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to go back at least not anytime soon in like a long-term sense. Oh, that was, that was like the heaviest realization. Like that's like pretty vacant. The song pretty vacant. Where they're like, I can't believe this is my life. Like that's, that is, that's literally something I was saying. To, I was speaking to myself at the moment of realization of like, Oh my God, I can't leave. You know, like I, I have no control over like where where I live, what I do, and how long I do it for. Like I'm actually just I'm on I'm just actually sitting on a train right now that like I have no control over. It's just gonna go where it's gonna go now. Mm. And it, it's weird when you find yourself in those positions because I mean, and, and the part of the reason you're kind of stuck on that train is because there's that sense of responsibility to like your daughter and stuff, and that's not something you've really had to like. Come, that probably wasn't a realization you faced in the past many times. Or it's like, oh, I, well, to do the right thing, I got to be on this this ride. Well, you know, certainly when when you have a kid, it, there is the like, there's the constant like, I got to do the right thing. You know what I mean? It's it's for her. Everything, every decision has to. She has to come and she has to come first. You know, every decision, anything I do, anything from as small as like, should I go out for dinner tonight? Or you know what I mean? Should I go out and see friends tonight? Yeah. Or or should I be, should I stay home with her? Or you know anything from that to what state should I live in? To like, can I go on this tour? You know what I mean? Should I be going on this tour? Is it worth it? Is it worth leaving her for six weeks? You know, every every decision, like she's the first thing I have to think of. You know, so it's not like that, it's not like that was a that was a big change. You know, because that's been that's been a few years now of thinking that way. It was just more like still. You know, I've always kind of pride. I, I guess it's a, it, it has a lot to do with pride because I've always prided myself on sort of having my shit together. You know, I've never been like a big drinker. I've never been a big partier. I've always like taken taken my my career very seriously, and you know, to, and and you know, I have good credit. You know what I mean? It's like exactly. I, I, I've always like I've always prided myself on on having my shit together, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, my life's out of control. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. my life is actually out of control. It's it's actually just gonna do whatever it's gonna do now, and I have to like hold on. And life kind of sneaks up on you like that. Like it never it never just happened. Like you don't realize it the second that it kind of goes into chaos. You are like deep in the chaos by the time you're like, oh shit, like this is this is. Yeah, what I'm trying I mean, to I'm a heavy I'm a heavy planner. I plan everything. I plan absolutely everything. You know, I, like, I, I don't, I don't wing it, you know, like big things and small things, you know, the whole move to Tennessee was I'm building a house. This is the day that I'm moving. I got to move out of it. I got to move out of my house in New York uh, on, on this day. And this is how I'm going to get there. And then I'm going to get there and we're going to live in this house for about two years. And my wife is going to open, uh, open this tattoo shop and we're, we're going to get the tattoo shop off the ground. And then 
we're going to move back to New- buy this house in New York and move back to New York and live in that and then rent out the house in Tennessee for this much. You know what I mean? Like, like very cl- like closely planned, you know? Yeah. And uh, like from, from big life events like that to last night, I DJed at emo night at, at an emo night here in Nashville. And I spent the whole day making my playlist. You know what I mean? Like I don't show up and just sit and play whatever comes to mind. I, I plan everything. Mm. So mm. for me to just be like, Oh my God, I just you know like, so now I just go with the flow. I just hold on, you know, and I've never been really like a go with the flow kind of, kind of guy. I plan everything, even things that you wouldn't think need planning. I, I, I want conversations and, meetings everything i already know what i'm going to do before i get there yeah but planning in my experience planning is like the only sense you can feel like having some control in your life where you're like no 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 this is the plan and that's that's as much control as you can really get in any situation (laughs) right and you could sort of and and you and you sort of like go with the flow like once it's happening and you can kind of vary from your game plan but you still need sort of like a game plan you know what i mean Exactly. So when you find yourself in this in this in this chaotic situation, like what what is the thing that ha- helps you kind of figure out how to get through it to like the other side and you know then get kind of into going with the flow? But how do you get to that? Is that what this record is about? Is finding your way through it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think that w- what really helped me get through get through everything was um, you know sort of sort of like I guess manning up in a sense was. I, 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 I just stopped myself from, from being so depressed about it. And I said, I'm doing this for my daughter, either do the right thing or don't. And if you're going to, then don't like martyr yourself over it. You know what I mean? Like you're doing the right thing. You know, you're doing the right thing. Now just shut up and do it. You know what I mean? Like if you, if, if it's, the, if, if I'm going to martyr myself about it, I might as well just not do it. You know, if I'm going to do it, then just, then just do it and, and shut up about it. <laughs> So how did the how did Jack and the rest of the band feel when you started sharing the stuff that you had been writing in this room by yourself? It was definitely a lot of like response email responses of like like whoa and and, and stuff like that. You know, I think um, you know they all know they all know my ex wife and I, I really I mean definitely it was a really really conscious effort to not write the record about a breakup and yeah. write more about like the aftermath and, and putting it back together. You know, I wanted it to be about me and what I was going through afterwards and, and putting it back together. Cause that I feel like is very relatable. Like, you know, I feel like there's a, a lot of people can relate to like that moment where, where their life changes and they have, and they have to figure it out or just simply being like a stranger in a strange place. And that's really how I feel even to this day. You know, like being being in Nashville, you know, I, and to be fair, I go back to New York very often. I spend like probably close to a week out of every month back in New York, you know, so I still get to see all my friends. I still get to see my family. I bring my daughter back there all the time to see everybody. So, it's you know, I've, I've figured out how to how to keep like the things that make me happy uh, as a part of my life. But I still feel very I feel very out of place here. Very, very out of place. It's very strange. Yeah, I've, you know, working in the industry, I've considered moving to Nashville a few times. And every time I've visited, I've, I've never been able to see myself living there. So I can imagine like even after moving there being like, I, it's, it's hard to feel like it's where you belong sometimes. I, you know, I do love it as a place. I really do love it. Yeah, you know, it's beautiful. I, it's, for me, the problem is more like kind of missing everybody and all the places and people and, and things. The routine uh, of, back home. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's more it's it, that that's that's more sort of what I'm dealing with, you know, and also just kind of like an isolation feeling, but 
I do like it a lot as a place, um, but it's not, it, it's not home for me, you know? So it's not about, it's, it's not about disliking Nashville. It's more about like how I feel being here. It's more, yeah, it's the whole thing. And I, I like that bit about how you didn't want to write like a breakup record. I can imagine, you know, going into album seven, you, you would hope that you're not writing just breakup albums at this point. <laughs> right. I mean, and, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, and definitely when I, when I, I almost feel like when I was younger, that's that's what I had to say. Breaking up with my girlfriend when I was 22, and writing the self-titled record about it, like that, like that's that was the most important thing in my in my life when I was 22 was that I broke up with my girlfriend. I had to tell her that she sucked, you know. But like that's not like I've as as you get older, like you learn that life is more complicated than that, you know. You start our record sort of evolved and when I was writing about relationships later on, it sort of morphed. It went from the self-titled record, which, which was like, you know, we broke up and you broke my heart and I hate you for it, you know? And then it morphed more into like, okay, well with like walking wounded, for instance, it was a little more like, okay, well, what did I do to contribute to this? You know, like how, like, like the relationships aren't always so one-sided like that, you know? And I think you learn that as you get older too. Where I got to the point where it was more like, okay, the relationship really doesn't matter. And that's where I am now. It's like the relationship, that's not what this is about. You know, it's more about like my life and my happiness and 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 it's bigger than that. It's bigger than what did you do, what did I do? You know what I mean? No, no, definitely. And and I, I've seen that in the music. It does it has you change that perspective. And on this record, there's a little bit of like, what did I do? But then there's also that there's that element of like you looking for answers and like, you know, maybe it's, it's not me and it's not you. Maybe it's just these things. Sometimes things fall apart and the coming to terms with that, like sometimes things don't work out and I have to like learn to accept that fact. Yeah. And, and like, there's the one song on the record that really does talk about, get more into detail about what happened is, um, is Rumspringa, you know, and I definitely want to to go back to your question. When I, when I sent that to everybody, they were like, wow, you sure, you sure? Like you want, sure. You want that song? It out is, there you know even like straightforward friends, <laughs> yeah it's like friends that i played it for uh like who aren't in the band which said said like kind of the same so like i was even at a point the first time in my career where i was like i don't know if i should i don't know if i should put the like I'm, I'm second guessing this you know what i mean and then i got and then i spoke to some people like you know tim especially the producer was like like you gotta say what you mean man you know, like you, you like definitely do not don't don't censor yourself. You know, say what you mean. Yeah. What what made you choose the title Rumspringer for that? I'm from like Amish country in the Midwest, so I understand what that is. But I was like, oh, that's this is an interesting choice for this title. Yeah. Well, you know, without and again, I I, I don't I, the same way that I didn't want the record to be about my ex wife or to go into like a whole lot of detail about about that stuff. You know, I just, it kind of, I guess all the interviews in the press sort of follow a, a similar thing where, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go into like a whole lot of detail about, about the relationship, but it is kind of, you know, I think if you listen to like the first, the first, uh, the first verse, so the first couple of lines of that, that song, I think it sort of explains how it, how it correlates to like the Amish Rumspringer, you know? I just hope it makes more kids look that up because it is so bizarre in that culture. It is, it is interesting to see. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wanted to talk about uh, something I really love about the record. I love I've Been Dead All Day, mostly because I don't know how many artists in 2016 could fit a reference into Abraham's journey to Canaan into a, li- yeah. into a verse. <laughs> and I was just like, man, he taught you there's a God reference in the first verse. You get Abraham in the second, and then we go to the, you, yeah, you're literally praying in the third one. Um, right, yeah. What's the motivation there? Is is the religious thing just a tool to kind of get across your frustration, or something more? Um, I mean, definitely. I guess you know to go to, first of all to to get away from the 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 emotional part of the record, which is what we've been discussing, and get to like to the technical. Because I am, I definitely consider myself like a student of songwriting. You know, yeah. and I love songwriting. I love wordplay. I love. I mean, there's there there's like time signature changes in that song and all kinds of kind of wacky like heady songwriter stuff. So that one of the, one of the techniques that I really wanted to use throughout the whole record was to sort of come up with a um, uh, come up with like a, a theme for each song that like as far as the metaphors and the references went, you know. So like. And then stick to that for the song. So like that one, yeah, it's definitely there's the there's like the religious theme, but I'm still telling my story. I'm using, but I'm using like sort of the religious references yeah. as as a theme because, like you said, it, that's what it does to the listener. Like <laughs> like you notice like oh this verse he does this, and then this verse he does this, and then he's doing this in the bridge, and you know that's the kind of stuff that like makes you listen to it a song over and over where it's like you're, you're there's layers, you know, there's layers to to figure out. Um, and then, like with the end enemy lines, it's all it, there's a lot of war references. You know, it's all it's just kind of about a battle. And then there's the march on the snare drum. There's like the civil war march kind of thing. And um, so yeah, I mean that was as far as like from a technical standpoint, that's kind of what I was doing through the record and and with uh, with Dead All Day. And then I mean, and then as far as why the religious references and why those specific ones, that's something that I've definitely touched on a bunch throughout our career and. I get, my stance on religion has always been that I'm fully open to it, but I just don't, it just is not, it, it's not speaking to me. And I've yeah. written songs before where it's like, like, man, if you're, if you're there, like now's a good time, you know? And that's, that's, you know, like I, I want you to be there, you know, I just like, I, nothing has told me that you are there. And that's, you know, and that's, that, that's really how, that's how my stance on religion has been throughout our whole career, you know, and I, and I have touched on that in, uh, in other songs, but so, and I mean, I think that the bridge of that all day really kind of sums that up. I just, uh, the Abraham reference got me so good. Cause I was, I was brought up in like a super Christian household and then kind of came to being in the place where you are myself. And so when I hear that, it's like, you have all that information still stored in the back of your mind. And my brain's just like, Oh, I know what he's talking about. I can tell you the entire story of Abraham going to Canaan. And I was like, what a, what a fun <laughs> reference that people might not appreciate the depth of how much it works for like the story you're trying to tell. <laughs> I know I have a, I definitely have a, I have a sense of being being a little like brainy in the lyrics, maybe overly brainy to where some people don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Our Chef uh, Goodman, who who's like kind of my, he's kind of my mentor, he really like taught me how to write songs. He produced uh, produced three three Bayside records, um, and uh, yeah, like I said, I met him when I was like 21 and still just figuring out what the hell I was doing. And he really taught me how to write songs. He's my even to this day. I still go up to his studio. I was there three weeks, you know. I, he he produced a self-titled record, which in in 2004, which or five, which was like really our coming out party. Um, 
And uh, even up until like a, a couple of weeks ago, I was writing songs with him. Um, but he, but he writes pop songs, you know, and I, my sort of punk influences and my like super musical influences. And he taught me how to mesh that all with pop, you know, and all that's where really all the, all the structure and the word and the word play and the, the catchiness sort of came from was my relationship with him. And, um, he'd all like we i'd be singing songs in the booth and he'd and he'd be like he'd be like dude like nobody's gonna get this you know he like he wrote songs for mandy moore and aaron carter and all these you know all these he wrote best day in my life for american authors like he writes these massive pop songs that you know what i mean that are just so incredibly accessible and and he's always giving me shit about like the, the the strange references and the and like the the heady ideas I mean, I like it as a listener because it gives me something to like, you know, dig it, dig my teeth into the song. I, there's always another layer to kind of peel back and be like, oh, this is what he like. This is something he's going for, or, you know, tie together the references and how they fit into the bigger picture of the record. Yeah. And that's a big part of our that's a big part of our our, our career, I think. You know what I mean? That's I think that's why we ha- we've had the, part of why we've had the longevity that we've had. And we, we have the diehard fan base that we have because there are those layers and you can keep listening and there's it is a bigger appreciation than you listen you know the chorus the first time you hear it and and it's fun and you dance to it or whatever you know what i mean that's there's people i think there's a different relationship to the music because of that i agree now when you talk about his influence and the poppiness is is his influence the kind of thing that gives us a song like mary because that's kind of the poppy the poppier song on the record and it's it feels like it's just straight up storytelling yeah, I, that was that was just sort of like an experiment for me to do the storytelling thing. I've I've very rarely done that in in Bayside songs before, where I tell a story instead of talk about ideas or like most Bayside songs are just kind of journal entries. Yeah, uh, and Mary, well, yeah, Mary was definitely like an experiment for me as as far as like trying to trying to tell a story, also just like messing around with a different style. You know, we definitely we seven records in, we wanted to try and change up the, stylistically a little bit. Um, so yeah, that, that song was a kind of an experiment. We wrote it in the studio. It was like, I had the verse and the chorus written. I had the chords and the melody. I didn't even have lyrics yet. I just had, it was just sort of like a little idea. It was like a voice memo in my phone when we were in the studio and I played it for everyone. And everybody's like, oh yeah, we got to work on that. Let's work on that. You know? And then we did it and we said, oh okay, cool. It's good enough to put on the record. But it was, it was an experiment. It was just something that we were trying out in the studio and it came out cool. So we, we used it. Yeah, I've, yeah, it's a song that I come back to a lot. There's, it's, it's a lighter moment on the album, but it still fits in thematically because there's that whole fighting off the world and kind of find being yourself and finding yourself and accepting that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, that's something I was like, I, it, you know, I feel like every Bayside album, there's one or two songs where you kind of be like, oh, so this is probably this is almost like a teaser for maybe where the band will go in the future, and that's a song where I was like, oh, they could do more of this, and I'd be okay with that. Like, this this works well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny. I that that's another thing. You know, even when I write songs that sound happy, like Mary or. I think the ghost is probably the prime example on the record of like the lyrics are so incredibly sad. When I listen to it now, like, God, this is like the most, the, like this is coming from the most pitiful person in the most pitiful point of, <laughs> of their life. But it's so happy and like, it's like a party song, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's so incredibly sad. Uh, yeah, but that contradiction is what makes like the best songs so good. 
Is, yeah, totally. Is that, yeah, you feel like it's something special, and it is something special, and then the more you listen to it, you're like, oh, this is horribly depressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that one is probably melodically the happiest-sounding song and yeah. lyrically the saddest. It's the, it's the, the like, that, that song on the record is the, the two most polar opposites. Um, I, there are two other songs I kind of wanted to touch on because we already touched on the last one. We touched on maybe Tennessee, Rumspringer, I've been dead all day. Um, it doesn't make it true. I like, this is another one where I feel like there's a lot of layers to it because I, I love the idea of the boys versus men and this, if you feel there's something missing, there probably is because I feel like that's something that I, you, you think about a lot when you're younger and it's not until you have really reached into adulthood that you kind of start to be like, maybe, you know, maybe that thing is there, but it doesn't mean that I have to, like, I also know what the answer is to what that is. Right. And that's such an important, that's such an, like, that's something when you, I mean, with all the politics that are happening right now, you know, between the, 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 the presidential debate and the, and, and the gun control arguments, anything from that to, to women's rights, to gay rights, to everything that's happening in the world, um, all, all the way down to like what's happening in your personal life, fighting, fighting with your girlfriend, fighting with your boyfriend, whatever, whatever it is. Like, I think that it, it's like, like first understand that you don't know the answer, you know, and then go from there. You know what I mean? Going into any of those things, whether it's a fight with your girlfriend or a political argument, first understand that the answer is much more complicated than the first thing that comes to your head, you know? And once you, once you, once you recognize that, then you could start critically thinking about where to go. Yeah, that and uh, that the other, if you don't, if you feel something's missing in you, the answer is most likely not in whoever the person is that you're projecting, you know, mm -hmm. this frustration upon. And I think that's, that's something that takes years to figure out. And once you do, you're like, oh, I can have relationships again with people because I'm not searching right. for that missing thing in them. Yeah, it just comes from, it comes from experience. You know, you have to have, you have to go through those relationships where you're an idiot and they're an idiot. And you have to go through those like, moments of frustration with the world, you know, again, political or, or otherwise, you know, I definitely, there was I, I, something that I had in the back of my mind. I wouldn't say that it's outwardly about this, but certainly the way that the way that women are treated is something I, you know, on, on the last record, I talked about it more and that's something that, that I had in the back of my mind. And that's where the sort of the boys, the boys versus the men thing come into play, you know, and it, where that sort of comes into play, it's more, you know, I sort of had in the back of my mind, like the way women are treated and, um, you know, just to, to, to step up, you know, act like an adult, you know, and that, that kind of stuff, it's just, it comes from experience, you know, and that's why that's, you know, don't act, you can't act like a boy your whole life. It's true. And with that in mind, do you feel like these are songs that you could have written at any other point in your life? Or is this something that only comes as like with everything you've been through? there's definitely no way I could have written any of these songs in like earlier in my career or when I was, when I was a younger person, it all comes from experience and, and sort of moments of clarity of like, like, fuck, I don't have anything figured out. And that's, that's the crux of, you know, 10, 12 years ago, writing records about what my ex-girlfriend did to me. And fast forward to now, that's the crux of it is really is realizing like, well, I don't know what she was thinking. You know, I don't know what I did to, to bring that on. I don't know what the world did to bring this on. You know what I mean? Like it's way it's way more complicated than that. It's not it's way more complicated than something she said to me in a phone call. You know, that's that's not what this all that's not what the, this all comes down to. 
It's yeah, no, definitely. And as a creative person, it, you know, it's that's to me when you realize that you're doing something you couldn't have done in the past. It's it, that's the sign of like, oh, I'm still growing and progressing. Because so often you're like, am I just spinning my wheels doing this one thing with my life? And then you write something and you're like, oh my gosh, I couldn't have done this before. So I'm, I'm still developing. Well, <laughs> I think to be a good lyricist, you have to be your own. You have to be capable of being your own therapist. You know, you have to dig it. You, it's not as simple as just like. So, you know, if you were, if you were not, if, if you didn't think that way, you know, you do have the luxury of like ignorance is bliss. You know, you have the luxury of being like, well, my hands are clean because I didn't do anything and she did it, you know, or like the world is this way. And anybody who, anybody who's pro this or anti that is, is ignorant, you know, cause this is how I feel. And you're just ignorant if you don't get that, like that's a, that's, that, that's a, that's a luxury to think that way you know if you want to be a good lyricist you got to think much deeper than that you got to think why do they think that way why do i think this way why do i feel this way and i feel like that that's pretty evident on tracks like the ghost on this record where you're basically taking yourself to therapy (laughs) yeah i mean that's all my songs really like i said i think to be a good lyricist you need to be you need to be willing to and able to dig deeper than this is how i feel so i'm going to write it down Moving beyond just the songs, why Tim O'Air to do this record as producer? Um, because something that has always like been there in our career is like I'm I'm a big fan of of uh, show tunes and uh, they're, I'm really really influenced by show tunes. I love what they do musically that nobody in our in our world, you know, whether it's in the punk scene or or wide or just the, the greater rock scene or pop or whatever. There, there's things in show tunes. There are, there are different rules to show tunes, almost in the sense that there aren't rules. And, um, and I've always loved that. You know, ever since, ever since like the Walking Wounded, really, I've messed around a lot with just throwing different styles into songs and having these kind of big departures and and movements almost. You know, when you listen to a show tune, it's almost like the, you, it tells a story musically before you even involve the lyrics. You know like it could start out this way and then it moves into this and then there's there's a there's a new movement and it's similar to like classical music where you know it goes in movement you know not necessarily like here's the verse here's the chorus here's the verse here's the chorus um and uh i've I've always sort of messed around a lot with that and tim did a lot of great rock records um he you know say anything uh, is a real boy is like a fantastic um record uh, he did a lot of really cool indie rock. He worked with Super Drag, who I love. Uh, so he did a lot of really cool rock stuff. But recently he did, he was nominated for Tony for uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I was like, oh my God, like this is like, this is a guy who's going to get it. You know, like I, I've worked with pop guys, I've worked with rock guys. And there's always things about my songwriting or my styles that I, that I, I work with where people don't always quite get what I'm going for. You know, like why would you... Like this bridge sounds like a different song. It doesn't fit the song. It sounds like you turned it into like a, a completely different song. You know what I mean? And like when it comes to rock or pop, that's against the rules, you know, but that's exactly what I want to be doing. So with Tim, I was like, oh, come my God, he's going to get it. You know what I mean? It's like I'm basically writing show tunes, but they're angry and they're fast. No, you know, like dead I, I all day. That. Dead all day is a show tune. You know what I mean? You scroll yeah. that down and you take all the, you take what the guitar is out of it you know and if you were to play that song 
on like if an orchestra were to play it or, or, or something like that like that's lyrically um uh, melodically thematically every, everything about it. like that's that's fully a show tune and that's kind of what i that's that's what i like to do you know i like to write i like to write show tunes and speed them up <laughs> i like that that should be just that should be the new bio for bass yeah. <laughs> love show tunes we're sped up sped up show tunes <laughs> yeah and tim, tim like tim you know tim had his, his foot in a lot of different worlds he's done pop stuff and he's done rock stuff and he's done show tunes and um it was like all right cool cool like he hits all the all the marks all of our influences you know that's what we're kind of going for a rock band with pop tendencies with that is influenced by show tunes and you know real kind of show what i love about show tunes is just how dramatic they are well i think you there's... know like you just really feel it you really feel the the story yeah, you feel the story, and you know that there. When you're listening to an audio, rec- a cast recording, you know that there is all these visuals and there's production and all that. But you can listen to just the album, and you can get the entire very, very usually per- complex story is translated over like you know an hour and a half of music. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm the same way about show tunes. So you, uh, when I saw, that, I, I knew him from doing Hedwig, so I was curious. I was like, well, I know he did the Say Anything record that's really good, and it makes sense. That makes sense too. And I was like, but maybe he's just a Hedwig fan. That's fine. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that has a, that. I mean, we we uh, we were stoked about him. His his name was definitely on the short list, um, even regardless of 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 the Hedwig thing. And then the, and then when and then once we started talking about that, it was it was like, oh yeah. I mean, like who else is gonna? What other producer on this list has has uh, experience with that? And uh, well, I like it. Well, let's. What about the album? Art? Is this the apartments that you stayed in, or is this just a hotel? This is the, the, where the hotel came from. Was um, well, obviously, you know, the, the vacancy thing. Naming the record vacancy was like sort of a, sort of a double meaning. You know, yeah. it was uh, it was it was like kind of the hotel theme, and also like obviously the emotional. Yeah, the but empty. um, but um. The, uh, the apartment that I was living in, I moved, you know, I, I moved out of my, my house in, in, uh, in Tennessee and I was sort of just trying to figure out what was going to come next. I was, I didn't know if I was going to move back to New York or if I was going to buy a new house in Tennessee or if I was just going to just rent this apartment for the rest of my life. You know, I really had, had no idea. So I was just kind of in this apartment for a few months as like a stopover trying to figure out what was going to come next. Um, and uh, I would always say that the apartment was like my hotel. It wasn't a hotel, it was an apartment, but I always called it. It was in Franklin, Tennessee, and I always called it the Franklin Hotel because, um, like I said, I, like, I never unpacked, I never decorated, I never like made it my own because I, you know, I could have lived there for three months. I could have lived there for for ten years. You know, I just I just didn't even know. So I always referred to that apartment that I wrote the record in as as the Franklin Hotel. Franklin, Tennessee is not the most exciting place to be if you are, especially if you're not from there. It's, it's a pretty interesting place. <laughs> yeah, luckily I do have some. I, I do have some good friends and people in other bands that all all live in town that that uh, that you know I was able to to spend time with and still do. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just it, it was kind of this. It was this weird. It was this weird sense of 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 living of just crashing there you know what i mean it's like i like do i live here i don't know if i live here i'm not gonna hang any pictures on the wall because you know i might just have to take them down next week you know i might have to you know i don't i don't really want to unpack because I, I might just have to pack again next week and you know and sort of maybe i'm leaving next week 
you know, it was it turned into like, maybe I'm leaving next month, turned into like, maybe I'll be here for like six months. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, anytime you find yourself in that position, like if you unpack, you're in the, you know that you're in a transitional period. And if you unpack, it's like accepting that, like, maybe I'll just stay in this transitional period for a bit. And you don't want that. Like you mentally don't want that. You know, you, you got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I had to kind of build up the, build up the strength to, 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 to come up with some like final decisions. Well, we weren't so like when I just moved to Minneapolis, we weren't sold on this being a place we were going to stay for a long time. And like there were boxes like I remember we celebrated when we finally unpacked the last box. because It was like, oh, I guess we, yeah. I guess we live here now. Yeah, <laughs> I guess this is home. <laughs> yeah, it's since become home. You know, it, I, I still struggle with a lot of the same sort of isolation feelings and and uh and and all that but it has become home i did buy you know i've since bought a new house that that i that uh i live in and it's unpacked and and decorated and everything things on the walls there are things on the wall yeah that the, when you put stuff on the wall that's really the sign that you're there oh exactly yeah you're not putting <laughs> holes in the walls unless you play on sand exactly exactly um so you guys you guys are pretty much taking the summer off until the tour starts in august right I uh, yeah we've done we've been doing a few festivals over the last few months just flying out to do like a, a festival here and there um and uh yeah that's that's pretty much it everybody's just kind of working on their side stuff you know I, I do a lot of writing for other people I've, I've been I've been I've been uh I've been concentrating on that for, for the last uh, little while while I wait for the Bayside cycle to start and um Chris has been racing bikes Okay. Uh, he joined some circuit, some bike racing circuit that uh, he's been doing. Jack has a like a three month old, I think now three month old baby at home, so he's focused. You know, he's focusing on that and spending time with her. I'm spending time with my daughter. Nick's uh, Nick's been working on his clothing company, so everybody's taking this time now to kind of focus on the things they do outside of the band. And because uh, we know one, we know that once the record comes out, you know, we we got to go. <laughs> no, I completely get that. Do you, uh, you know, you working on any new solo stuff? Um, yeah, I'm just starting now. I mean, it, it'll be it'll be a while before that sees the light of day. But I of figured course. I have figured I have the time. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have to concentrate on on the Bayside cycle for the next like year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely something I, I I got. I'm getting a head start on. I'm already starting to like conceptualize it and talk to people about it and started writing songs. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm getting started on it now. Now, when you, when you start working on that stuff, do you immediately know, like, this is a solo song versus this is something I would use in Bayside? Yeah, now it is. When I first started the solo project, uh, it was, it was leftover songs. It was songs that I've written that either the band didn't think they wanted Bayside to do, or just, I knew, you know, like, I'm, you know, this isn't a, this isn't a Bayside song. I, and I, before I had the solo thing, I just never, you know. I never knew what I was going to do with them. I just like had these songs. And I was like, Oh, whatever, you know, it was fun to write and it's fun for me to hear. And I'll play it for my friends, but you know, probably nobody will ever hear these songs. And, uh, once I had enough of those, I was like, well, I got, might as well just make a record, you know? So I did. So that's where that, that's where that was kind of born out of. And now that I'm like two records in, I'm starting to write the third one. Now it's, it's much more of like, okay, I'm writing a solo record. Now I'm writing a Bayside record now. That's well, I, yeah. I mean, that's that's good. I, I assume that being able to split them up like that makes it a little bit easier on you too. Because if you're just writing to write, it's it's you know, the results won't be as good as if you're as focused on like this is a Bayside project. 
Yeah, well, I you know I I do so many things between the solo pro the solo project and the band, obviously, and um, I own a merchandise company in in California, oh, yeah. and um, and I write for other people, you know, through through my publishing deal, I, I write for like things that aren't me or Bayside. Um, so I you know, and then I and I have my daughter, and you know, I'm I I, I juggle a whole lot of things. Yeah. So. Um, Time management is really important. So basically, what I do, uh, being the planner that I am, I block out. I block out time in advance. I know that in in uh, you know in July I'm going to write. I'm going to I'm going to concentrate on publishing and I'm going to write write for other people through through July. You know, and in uh, in August and September, obviously, I'm doing a Bayside tour. I know now that I have October off. We're doing another tour in November. I already know that. So October, I know I have October off and I'll, you know, I'll start thinking about how, what I'm going to, what I'm going to spend October doing, you know? So that's, so yeah, that time management is like blocking out time. So, you know, I, so I know, and I can tell you now, I mean, the record, the record's coming out, um, Bayside record's coming out in August. I know Bayside's touring plans for an entire year starting in August. We already know that we're doing a tour in August and September, and then we're doing a tour in November and we're doing a tour in January and February. We're doing another tour at the end of next March, and uh, that brings us all the way to to a year from now, you know. And we'll see where we're at then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, and then yeah, and then we'll probably do another six months of touring on the Bayside record, and then uh, so I can tell you that like in the fall of next year, fall of 2017, I'll I'll probably be tracking a new solo record. Do you, you know? have- like that's. <laughs> So, so yeah, I'm, I'm a planner. Do you have you caught yourself this year yet realizing like, okay, this band is old enough to have its own driver's license at this point, and you're quickly approaching that two decade mark? Um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> when we did the 15 year anniversary tour last year, it was, uh, I, you know, I would talk about it on on stage every night, and every night I said it, it it, it was still like, like, didn't feel real. It, I mean, it's it's such a cliche, but it really does just seem like yesterday. You know, it really does not seem like this long. I started Bayside when I was seventeen, and I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be thirty four this summer. And uh, in two years, we've been in the band now for sixteen years. So in about a year and a half, I'll have been in Bayside longer than I wasn't. Yeah, which is that's that's real weird. That's weird, yeah. Like the you're, that's the, weird to think that I've just been doing this for most of my life. Like it will officially be most of my life. Yeah, officially been the majority of your life. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, yeah, no, that's that's an insane. I hadn't even thought about it that way yet, but yeah, wow, yeah. That's that's yeah. Uh, that's super weird. <laughs> that this is just all I know. I, I like I've been in, I've already been in Bayside longer than I ever went to school. So if you think about if you think about like how school was like a, a big part of your life at one point, like this is even bigger than that. I guess that's the dream, right? Like that was the dream. It was, it was certainly the goal. Certainly it was the goal. When we started the band, when we signed our first deal with Victory, we were making our first record. We had long conversations about what are we trying to do here? Because I'm a planner. I always have been, you know? So it was always like, we want to be here in 15 years. That's what we're trying to do. You know what I mean? Like at the time, Fall Out Boy was blowing up and, uh, you know, My Chemical Romance shortly after that. And a lot of these bands just really sprouted up and blew up. And, and it's, you know, it's certainly enviable careers. Um, but we were saying like, well, Bad Religion has been a band for like 20 or 30 years. 
you know, and social distortion has been a band for like 30 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how cool would it be to be 50 and still be in Bayside? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how cool would it be to be, you know, to be 40 something and still like, this is the only job I've ever had. Exactly. You know, that's, that's so weird that this is the only job I've ever had. And perhaps so the, like how cool would it be if it's the only job we ever have to have? Yeah. You know, that was always our goal. We want to, we always said we want to be social distortion. We want to be bad religion. We want to, you know, we want to, we want to be around for a long time. And now 15, 16 years later, it's like, all right, cool. We did it. Pulled it off. <laughs> Pulled it off. There you go. Now it's just about, now it's just about maintaining, maintaining, hopefully growing. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I, that's definitely has always been the plan was to maintain and to keep making the fans happy and keep making ourselves proud and make our fans proud to be Bayside fans and not embarrassed that they used to be Bayside fans, which happens to bands, you know? It does. Um, and our goal is always to make the fans proud and stoked and make ourselves proud and stoked and never to make new fans. Never. Even when we, like now, obviously it's at a point where it's a really sustainable, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a really nice lifestyle that we've, that we have for ourselves, but even when it wasn't, you know, and we, we weren't making a dime and we, and we were, and there's 50 people coming to our shows or less, it was still like no decisions were made in an effort to make more fans. Well, that's great to hear, man. I I always think about the first time I think I actually I met you. It was like a decade ago at this point. The girl I was dating, we had you write something in your own handwriting for, her, and you made some joke about how you had horrible handwriting. And then she got that. I do. And then she got that tattooed on her rib. So every time a new album cycle comes out, and I'm like getting the the press copy of it, I'm always just like, man, I hope that Amy doesn't regret that tattoo all these years later. <laughs> and you haven't let her down. Yet. I, I'm, and I'm doing my best. There's a lot of people out there with Bayside tattoos, and I'm doing my best to make sure that they don't that they're not embarrassed of it. And I think that that's like another, you know, that I also that adds to the to the longevity. Also, is that like I think the fans trust me when they get that tattoo. They 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 yeah. they're trusting me to to like to never embarrass them. And there are a lot of those tattoos. <laughs> Yeah, it's so cool. I still get so excited when I see them. It's the coolest thing. I have a couple of band tattoos, and I like I know what I know what those bands mean to me to have gotten it. Exactly, exactly. All right, man. Well, I don't want to keep you much longer. I know you're a busy dude, as we've just discussed at length. Uh, but I appreciate you taking time to talk to me, especially this far out from the record. Monica threw it out to me, and I was like, I mean, if he wants to talk now, we can talk now. But we can wait till August. But I'm, I'm happy we did this now before you've talked the album to death. Yeah, I think we. I think we're just trying to spread it out in, in like in the, over the last few record cycles. I I did almost no press. Um, and with uh, with this one. I told Monica, like, you know, what? I think I want to do a lot of press. I think I want to, I think there's a story behind this record. And I think if you know the story behind the record, it's going to make the record that much more enjoyable, you know, like, so I, I, I want to, uh, I want to do, I want to do more press on this cycle. So with that said, we're trying to spread it all out because it, you know, there's, there's been a lot more than usual. Yeah, it's daunting, and I'm just happy I got to you before you. Uh, for you have like, yeah, there's five interviews a week, and it's just back to back to back. Yeah, I'm not burnt yet. You're getting all of me. You're yes. not getting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not getting my like. I have I, like all the answers to your questions. I haven't said a hundred times. Exactly. Already. That's that's really yeah, the goal. I'm gonna, to, <laughs> I'm gonna get to that point where like I'm answering the same question for the hundredth time, and like I'm rolling my eyes as I say it. I know it always makes you feel rude because I we I have you know we do this long form thing so like I've I've burned through a lot of questions that you're gonna get asked a bunch of times. 
So oh, I, and I prefer the long form thing. If you haven't noticed, I'm, I, I'm a, I like to talk. I'm a conversationalist. You know, I love, I love conversation, you know, with anybody, with strangers, with friends, with anybody. So uh, I prefer this. It's much better than like question answer. Like I have all these kind of questions written down. Here's my first question. Okay. Here's my next question. Like, and they're not reacting to anything I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. all right, cool, man. We could have just did this through email if you're really just not, you know what I mean? If you're yeah. not going to respond to anything I say, then I, 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 I just read the bio. All the answers to this are in the bio. Yeah. You, you leave the door open for a follow up and they just jump to the next question. And you're like, oh, Okay, I guess I guess we're just transitioning. Yeah, I prefer <laughs> I, I prefer this, and Monica definitely knows. Like podcasts are almost always a yes, I'm almost always down. So well, I, I definitely prefer the long point. I'm glad, man. You guys are in Min- You guys are in Minneapolis on this next tour. Uh, so I'll yeah, see you. I'll yeah. see you at the end of August sometime. <laughs> cool. All right, man. You have a great day. All right. Take care. Thanks you, a lot. Bye. Thanks.